What is up, my dudes and dudettes? It's Nate Houseman, your guide to the 21st century, and is Barbenheimer out of your system yet? So, Barbie and Oppenheimer, the two movies that launched on the same day and launched probably half a year's worth of memes and hype, and it's just exploded the box office. It happened over, you know, the last weekend. Today is um, Wednesday, July 26th, but... Everyone's everyone's debating whether Barbie, the Barbie movie is woke or not, or whether it's based, or whether it's you know third wave third wave or fourth wave feminist. But I think what we really need to discuss is what got snuck in during the whole Barbenheimer hype, and that is digital money. So we're going to read a couple articles about both both phenomenon. Um, I think they're really good that, that really explain the whole situation and. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna discuss a little bit further. If you find this content valuable, please like, share, and subscribe. You can visit my website, natehouseman.net, where I post articles from around the web. I just uh, put up a collection of articles about the corruption of Hunter Hunter and Joe Biden, and also the uh, mysterious death at uh, the Obama residence. And you can. Avail yourself of my merch shop and my resources. And one of those resources I'm going to um, discuss a little bit later here. First, the success of Barbenheimer means nothing for the movies. This is by Johnny Oleksinski at the New York Post. So, are the movies really back? From the celebrity headlines to the past weekend, you would think so. Barbenheimer, the social media nickname given the one-two punch of Warner Brothers Barbie, and Universal's Oppenheimer did boffo business at the domestic box office, grossing a combined $235 million. Barbie, at $155 million, had the biggest three-day opening of the year, and right on cue, the usual pronouncements are being made. Audiences love originality. Everyone has seemingly forgotten that Barbie is a super-famous doll, and not from director Gerwig, Greta Gerwig's imagination. So, stories about women sell. Justice with men's stories, like the flopperoo Indiana Jones, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Oppenheimer, which many online are calling sexist toward women, sold tremendously well at $80 million. It's quality, stupid. Tell that to the uh, Banshees of Inishirin, Women Talking, The Fablemans, and most of the other Best Picture Oscar nominees released last year. The real takeaway of Bar hashtag Barbenheimer, according to the author here, a cinematic brigadoon that will soon disappear into the fog, is one that is becoming increasingly obvious in the entertainment world at large. Take a buyer's want, events. And that's what this was. I mean, I'm on Instagram probably too much, probably more than I should be. I saw so many Barb Barbenheimer memes. So many, like, you know... I, I really can't, I really, I really cannot, you know, overemphasize how hilarious these memes were, how great they were. And it really emphasizes a theory, really proves the theory I've had since the last couple of years. Memes are the are the future of marketing. So, you know, that's why I make memes for my blog and my um videos as as the uh, cover as the cover images or as the uh, featured posts. You know, I think memes are tradable, they're shareable, they they are really the, the modern day political cartoons, so there's so much you can do with them. 
make this article here. It's not enough for consumers to regularly attend good movies or nice Broadway shows or average concerts and then go home and go to bed. A night out increasingly requires an extremely special occasion and a huge payoff. That is why folks will take out a 401k loan to buy a Taylor Swift ticket, but not pay $15 to see Pixar's Elemental. At the Eras Tour, they can dress up in a costume, get a hotel room with, with their friends, be in the same space as a major star, and post, post, post all about it. Barbenheimer miraculously became that perfect storm for the movies. A ready-made weekend itinerary for nostalgic millennials, and a cultural moment of its kind that will not be replicated again this year or likely for several years. Everywhere I looked this week, everywhere I looked this weekend was pink. Like a dystopian novel, in which all citizens are forced to wear uniforms and abandon their individual identities, Manhattan was covered with packs of rose-clad people calling each other Barbie with the same clonish squeal. Sunday night in the East Village, I witnessed the Barbie reveler throw a plastic bottle in the garbage. Her drunk friend then yelled, We recycle, Barbie! There were Barbie brunches and Barbie-themed apartment parties. I went to one in Brooklyn and feared for my life because of my negative review of the movie. Thankfully, none of my readers, Hi, Mom! Hi, Dad! Showed up. The gatherings were a major boon for the movie. Barbie was always going to perform fine. Warner Brothers and Mattel's gigantic rollout of pop-ups, collaborations, and ubiquitous marketing kept at the top of people's minds for months, and the dolls hold a special place in the hearts of many. But Barbenheimer made it bigger. Oppenheimer had a strong chance going in, too, and it was actually the more impressive success. Christopher Nolan, its director, is one of the few brand-name directors who can reliably sell tickets ever since his seminal Dark Knight uh, trilogy. With Oppenheimer, he's made a hit out of R-rated three-hour movie about a scientist largely on the back of his own reputation. A Nolan film qualifies as an event. But Barbenheimer made it even bigger. The hashtag was a creation of, unpaid, of an unpaid Twitter user, and the joke felt organic and cool, rather than a lame studio ploy. It made otherwise disinterested people crave being part of a trend. Suddenly, to partake in this double feature, or even just see one of them, meant you were wrapped up in a cultural phenomenon. You could post on Instagram about it, you could have ready-to-go conversation topic for just about anybody you encounter. So what does this incredible weekend mean for the rest of the year of the movies? Absolutely nothing. You definitely won't see five dudes dressed as Willy Wonka in the, in the cinema in September. God forbid. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, this is... This was an organic social media event on par with probably the Ice Bucket Challenge. Something that took on a life of its own. Something that the meme makers, the social media commentators, the social media creators just had a blast making jokes about. So, and when individual grassroots content creators can run with something so perfect as the juxtaposition of two outrageously different themes here, themed films here, it was, it was perfect. Now, Nolte... From Bright, John Nolte from Breitbart says, Barbie still cannot stop the Sound of Freedom's box office momentum. So, Sound of Freedom is still going on. I have seen Sound of Freedom. I have not seen either Barbie or Oppenheimer. And I think I won't until, you know, I might I might stream Oppenheimer, even though they're saying they should. I should see it at IMAX. The only reason I won't is because IMAX makes me nauseous. I'm one of those people who uh, would throw up at, like, probably with VR or 
I have thrown up on a couple of Disney rides where it got nauseous there. So the ones with the screens. So suffice to say, I'll watch Oppenheimer probably on Amazon or YouTube. Uh, Barbie might be one of those things I have to judge for myself, but only when I get the urge to. But the Sound of Freedom is an event of a totally different sort. It's, you know, it's an indie film that Hollywood tried to suppress for five years. It finally got crowdfunded. It was released at just the right time as the whole while, you know, we're all up in arms over child abuse, child trafficking, child grooming, the whole issue of sexual exploitation. This is, it came at just the right time and it's just the right moment for this to really be a long lasting, sustained movement. You know, during the credits, Jim Caviezel said he really hoped that that Sign of Freedom would have the same effect on modern day slavery as the novel Uncle Tom's Cabin had dur during the uh, abolition movement leading up to the Civil War. So, Sign of Freedom is something all its own. Now, the issue is uh, the problem with this whole you know entertainment event is um, it's overshadowing a very major development in our economy, and that is FedNow. I've discussed FedNow and CBDCs in the past. A CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency, is digital money that's centrally controlled either by a central bank or the government or institutions. And the real horror story, the horror scenario about them is if, it, if the government or the powers of me don't like your political speech, or if they don't think you ought to be buying a certain product, like gas, or beef, or chicken, they can actually shut off your money and prevent you from doing anything with it. So before we go any further, let's talk about a resource and a partner of this of this program here that that'll help you get your money out from under out from the um, digital currency uh, in the banks, and it's real assets like cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and gold and silver, and that's iTrust Capital. I've recently moved my retirement plan into iTrust Capital. You can buy and sell crypto and gold and silver with your IRA. So move, so move your, you can move your retirement plan into iTrust Capital's plans, and you can invest in gold, silver, and genuine cryptocurrencies like like Bitcoin, like Ether, like any of these that are scrolling up the top here. You know, they're, you know, cryptocurrency is full of rug pulls, pumping up schemes and scams, but I trust only deals in the most trusted and proven cryptocurrencies. So go ahead and uh, take advantage of here of these here. And another benefit of moving your retirement plan into crypto and metals is you're taking out of the uh, stock market and out of the hands of institutions like BlackRock and Vanguard, who are using their influence to um, control companies and enforce the woke DEI ESG agenda. Even though Larry Fink, the uh, CEO of BlackRock, is backing away from the whole ESG terminology, you got you to keep your head on a swivel. You got to be careful. They might just start using a different term and try something else. So just... I'm not, this is not financial advice. I'm telling I'm 
emerging you to do your own research and make your own decision and talk to a financial advisor in your area. But this is a great option to uh, take control of your wealth. So click on the link. You'll be supporting this program and you'll be supporting yourself. So now, well, let's talk about FedNow because it was launched over the weekend, uh, Friday, July 21st. So the same day as, actually the day before, the whole Bar- Barbenheimer event. So I'm going to read this article from the Organic Prepper blog by way of Zero Hedge. FedNow is live and the framework is in place for CBDCs. And this article is really good. It's very long, but it's got a lot of good information on how to um, co- how to deal with this. Yesterday, with a bit of fanfare, but not too much fanfare, a wonderful new product was launched. FedNow is live, and we can all transfer money to our heart's content via the Federal Reserve. And I don't know if I'll play this video, but it's probably just some propaganda. Wow, that sounds that sounds great, doesn't it? Of course, that is a spot created by the Federal Reserve and up and up a ton, the Federal Reserve, up on the Federal Reserve YouTube channel. FedNow is live at 35 banks. Axios reports that 35 banks across the country are participating in the launch. By the numbers, so far, okay. The, the early adopters of FedNow include JP Morgan Chase and Wells Fargo, but notably, but notably not including Citigroup or Bank of America. That number is rather lower than the Fed led us to believe as recently as June. U.S. Treasury is also signed up as an early adopter of FedNow. Some 353 banks and credit unions have signed up for RTP. In order to use either service, both the sending and receiving bank need to be signed up for the system. We are now officially on that slippery slope the author's been talking about. She wrote about exactly this happening in the dystopian fiction Good Citizens, and discuss how this could evolve to control almost every aspect of our lives. Why the author is concerned now that FedNow is live. A while back, I wrote an article discussing a payment gateway designed by the Federal Reserve called FedNow. This is a way to make instant transfers between accounts, sort of like PayPal or Venmo, but without the users having to move money from various wallets. While it sounds convenient, the concern is that this puts the infrastructure, this puts in place the infrastructure to quickly roll out CBDCs into place. Previously, I wrote about this. On March 15th, in the midst of the banking collapses, the Federal Reserve issued a press release detailing the new instant payment system that will be launched in July. That system is called FedNow, and here's what they had to say about it. The first week of April, the Federal Reserve will begin the formal certification of participants for launch of the service. Early adopters will complete a customer testing and certification program informed by feedback from the FedNow pilot program to prepare for sending live transactions to the system. Certification encompasses a comprehensive testing curriculum with defined expectations for operational readiness and network experience. In June, the Federal Reserve and its certified participants will conduct production validation activities to confirm readiness for the July launch. We couldn't be more excited about the forthcoming FedNow launch, which will enable every participating financial institution, the smallest to the largest, and from all corners of the country, to offer a modern instant payment solution, said Ken Montgomery, first vice president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston and FedNow program executive. With the launch drawing near, we urge financial institutions and their industry partners to move full steam ahead with preparations to join the FedNow service. Many early adopters have declared their intent to begin using the service in July, including a diverse mix of financial institutions of all sizes, large processors, and the U.S. Treasury. This is all the hallmarks of a government strategy. First, they offer it as a convenience, 
or a safety measure, lots of people will jump on board in order to take advantage of this. Of course, we've heard the song before. Vaccine rollout, anyone? Next will be push harder, and those who don't adopt it will be mocked, thought of as backward, and treated with suspicion. After that, it will be darn near impossible to do anything without it. Sound familiar? The Federal Reserve Banks are developing the FedNow service to facilitate nationwide reach of instant payment services by financial institutions, regardless of size or geographic location, around the clock, every day of the year. To financial institutions participating in the FedNow service, businesses and individuals will be able to send and receive instant payments at any time of the day, and recipients will be able to have full access to funds immediately, giving them greater flexibility to manage their money and make time-sensitive payments. Access will be provided through the Federal Reserve's FedLine network, Trademark, which serves more than 10,000 financial institutions directly or through their agents. But what truly makes me worried is that since FedNow is live, this is a soft way to move us all over into using a federal money transferring system that could easily, easily be the platform for the implementation of CBDCs, the digital dollar that can end freedom as we know it. Please note that what we have with FedNow is not a CBDC. It's just a payment gateway. But now the early infrastructure is in place for CBDCs. Changing the changing entire changing the nation's entire currency is not an overnight project. If we were to go completely digital with our money, it would take a while. Several things would need to happen first. A national financial infrastructure would need to be created that links accounts from all the banks to an information highway. They would need to get people comfortable with using the system, and to do that, it would need to be fast and convenient. Who wouldn't want their money right away? It feels like a win to sell a car and have 20000 in your account instantly without waiting to, for the checks clear. This provides some time to work out any bugs. The folks adopting FedNow would be the guinea pigs. It's new, but everyone expects new stuff to be glitchy. If you're getting in on the ground floor, you're probably willing to be patient with that. Next, they'll want to get as many people voluntarily using it as possible. They expect generous offers, outrageous convenience, and free or cheap transactions. Once it's all in place, running smoothly, the final transition from cash money to digital money will be just a matter of the central bank devaluing our cash but allowing people to trade it for digital at full or at least greater value. If you've never listened to the author before, please listen now. This is the road we're on, and once CBDCs are in place, especially if they're the only option, every transaction will be monitored, data will be mined from your spending, and your choices can be controlled. What's the big deal with CBDCs? I've been saying this, and here the author's gonna explain it. CBDC stands for Central Bank Digital Currency, and these digital versions of a money's of a country, and these are the digital versions of a country's currency. A digital currency along our current fiscal currency is voluntary. My concern is that when digital currency becomes the only option, and I do mean when, not if. A digital currency can mean such controls as automatic taxation or where and when you're allowed to make purchases, all at the push of a button. The most likely way this will be controlled is to fight inflation and to fix the economy, as per the International Monetary Fund. A world with lower inflation, or even zero inflation, and no persistent recessions may sound like a pipe dream, but we argue that it is possible by transitioning to an electronic money standard. Such transition requires eliminating the zero lower bound, which central banks can achieve using readily available tools. Breaking the zero lower bound implies that the optimal rate of inflation will be lower than in the presence of the lower bound. This will empower central banks to quickly restore full employment, and over the medium term, possibly move toward targeting 
full priceability with zero inflation. Now that's the uh, pitch, but what the truth? Obviously, any kind of manipulation like this is false. And while there may be some temporary relief, it won't solve the underlying problems in, with our economy. What what the bankers and what the powers of me have always used are I don't I don't want to say false flags, but made up emergencies. You know, when we were taken off the gold standard in 1971, they talked about speculators in the market. Um, they when they had to um when they're trying to create the um, Federal Reserve in the beginning in 1913. They're drumming up all sorts of, you know, propaganda and so-called economic crises to ram the uh, the project through Congress. Bank for International Settlements wrote a glowing report about the benefits of the CBD system. Here's what I took away from this. Central bankers can execute policy or modify rates instantaneously at the push of a button. Private crypto is bad. Central bank digital currency is good. CBDCs are better than crypto because they're trusted. CBDCs aren't subject to the practical limitations of paper money, i.e. they can be tracked. Therefore, it protects against money laundering, proliferation financing, and terrorist financing. It will increase the pool of data generated on users and transactions, thus helping the proper authorities. Multi-CBDC CBDC platforms aids in decentralization, a global economy. A common On a common CBDC platform across multiple central banks, Transactions are recorded in one ledger. I don't think it means what they're tr what they're trying to tell us it means. The reason Bitcoin is better than a CBDC is because Bitcoin is not controlled by a single organization. It runs on devices all around the world, and no single organization or person controls it. Bitcoin is the granddaddy of all cryptocurrencies, and any true cryptocurrency is decentralized, whether it's Ethereum whether it's the ones you can buy, you can purchase on iTrust Capital. You don't want a centrally controlled currency. So what does the author say we can do? I've written a lot lately about the need to get your money out of the banks. You need something of value that does not require you to dance to the tune of the government's fiddle. Imagine if you had a savings account and the value of that money changed with the implementation of CBDCs. Imagine it's worth less, say, by 20%. Suddenly, your $10,000 becomes $8,000. Your $100,000 loses $20K and becomes $80,000. It would take only a second with the click of a button in some office up in the Mount Olympus of the Fed. If you have savings and you want to protect your money, you need to make at least a portion of it tangible. That means investing in things like food, tools, and other long-term preps, land, and precious metals. I'm not suggesting going out and dealing only in silver dimes, if you're in a situation in which you're living from paycheck to paycheck, if you're if you're in one of those shoes, like so many of us are right now, you don't have to you don't have as many options. It isn't feasible or practical if you're going to need this money right away for existing expenses. But if you are trying to protect existing wealth, and this is not money you'll need access immediate to immediately, I urge you to consider investing into gold and, or silver to protect your savings during the economic downturn ahead. At the same time, getting your money out of this currency system may soon be switched to CBDC is the only way to ensure it remains yours. The author uses ITM trading out of Phoenix, Arizona for all, for all their metal purchases. I know there are plenty of good companies out there, but they prefer ITM because they're focused on education. I've learned so much from my consultations, which are free, by the way. I've also been very impressed 
with access of curated sources, research, and weekly insights on macroeconomics, central banks, currencies, and the global reset that they provide. To me, there's really no better other option for my purchases. And so I think here she goes into the uh, spiel for ITM, which I think is her affiliate partner. Yep, there's there's a link right there. I think I might link this article in the description of the um, video or the podcast so you can check them out yourself. And also check out iTrust Capital. And we're on the home stretch of this article here. We're all just one wrong thing away from losing our money. Remember in Canada, when Trudeau locked down accounts for supporting the trucker strike? We're all just one wrong thing away from losing access to our money. And the same thing's happening, I think, in France and in the UK. You know, Nigel Farage just got locked out of his all of his banks. Another recent precedent regarding losing access to the financial system is the case of Nigel Farage. Both he and his relatives have had bank accounts closed and been unable to open other accounts because they've been named PEPs, politically exposed persons. Farage, if you recall, is pro-Brexit. He wrote, writing in the Sunday Telegraph, Mr. Farage, who said several other banks had denied him accounts, claimed he was a victim of overzealous anti-money laundering regulations. Anti-money laundering rules appear to have been widely overinterpreted by the compliance departments of banks in the UK, he wrote in the Brexit supporting newspaper. Nobody can deny that money laundering is a problem, he said. Yet a series of agreements, EU directives, and UK rules established to confront this menace have almost entirely, entirely failed to do so. It's possible that was just a cover story for something else. Banks that live in fear of receiving huge fines. Their default setting seems to be to close down the business and personal accounts of anybody who is deemed to require extra due diligence, be they the owner of a window cleaning firm or a pawnbroker. He added, those who are paid in cash are no longer welcome. Compliance costs of servicing these accounts make them unprofitable. Mr. Farage initially claimed that his account with Coutts, or Coots, which acts on behalf of the royal family, had been closed in an establishment orchestrated revenge mission for Brexit, sparking a free speech row. So it's already happening. People are losing access to the system for having political beliefs, beliefs that oppose the status quo that the ruling administration has in place. The author knows that these two examples are outside the U.S., but that doesn't provide me even a tiny bit of comfort. I've already suffered massive financial abuse at the hands of government-funded censorship groups. Many others have, too. Is it really a stretch of the imagination that losing banking privileges could happen here in America, the land of cancel culture? What will you do if you can no longer use a bank? How you get cash? How you get and cash your paycheck? How will you pay your bills now that so many things must be done online? When we are no longer free to vociferously disagree, we aren't free at all. We, you need a backup plan, and you need it now. FedNow is live, and I don't believe that good things will follow. So Daisy's the best-selling author of five traditionally published books, and, and places you can find her on social media. So now I don't know if this whole situation with Barbenheimer and but now was planned to happen at the same time. I think it's very convenient. You know, it's just, it's, it's just a perfect storm, but I just want you to be aware of what's going on here. Barbenheimer is going to come and go. The hype's going to fade. We can learn some marketing lessons from it to help in your own small business or whatever. And if you click on the link to a Ziphos web marketing, that's my, 
digital, that's my digital marketing and web design business, I can get you set up. But the bigger issue here is really the freedom and justice in our economic system. So go ahead and uh, click on any links below to like Itrus Capital, BitGet, Bit, uh, BitFi, Uphold, get you know acre gold to protect your protect your wealth from inflation and cbdc's put your money in either bitcoin ether gold or silver and get yourself out of the system not right away we don't want to run up we don't want runs in the banks but little by little pop you know by dollar cost averaging you know buying the dips do that i'm not saying this is not financial advice it's just what i'm doing but this is, you know, what a lot of smart people are doing. So with that, I will let you go. I'm a houseman letting you know that it's okay to stand up for yourself over and out.